All right, any awkward first date moments in the room? Okay, all across our campuses? All right, a couple of us, a couple of us. Well, listen, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad that you're with us today as we are launching into a brand new series called First Comes Love. Uh, I just want to ask a couple quick questions. How many of you are single and one day hoping to be married? How many of you are married and hope to be single? Well, careful, <laughs> careful. Careful how you answer that. <laughs> well, listen, I also want to welcome our campuses that are watching. Can you make some love for our campuses right now? Give them some, make some noise. Well, listen, guys, um, again, I'm excited about this new series because we're going to be talking about singleness. We're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about parenting. And as you can probably tell, this series kind of comes out of this old nursery rhyme song that many of us sung as kids. You guys, I remember in elementary school, uh, Two kids who are hanging out named Bobby and Stacy, and they're playing, and you know, boys don't play with girls back then. And so, you know, we would come around them and start singing the song. Bobby and Stacy sitting in a tree. Come on, you guys know the words. I'll sing already. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Bobby with the baby carriage. Give yourselves a hand, folks. We did a little sing-along at church. Who thought that was going to happen today? Well, you know, it's funny. It's like a dumb little kid song that many of us had sung when we were kids. But in, in some ways, it almost kind of betrays this deep, deep societal expectation for kind of how relationships are supposed to go, right? It's like, this is plan A. This is how everything's supposed to flow together. You know, first comes love. You're in a room, and, and you see that person from across the room, and you're thinking, Oh, yeah, hey, what's up? Uh, and you start to kind of get closer together, and, and then you start going on dates. Maybe you go apple picking, or maybe you go bowling, and then you bring him home to meet your parents, and then, you know, she comes to meet your friends, and pretty soon things are getting serious, things are going well, because then comes marriage. You get on one knee and she says yes. And then now she's looking for dresses and, and you guys are looking at venues and you're picking out what kind of cake that you want. Then she said yes to the dress and you pick out the location for the honeymoon, but she's kind of a bridezilla. And you're like, oh wait, but I'm a groomzilla, but I just can't see it yet. And then all of a sudden you're kind of trying to plan the perfect date and a day and it comes and then you realize it, it, it all comes together. You guys are married at the end of it. And then finally, then comes baby in the baby carriage. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're pregnant. We're, we're having a baby. And you start to think, okay, now we need to move out of the city and move to Hoboken. Uh, we, need, we can't raise our kid in the city. We need to go to the suburbs. I need to trade my Honda Civic GT for a minivan. Uh, I, you know, we have to get a, a stroller and, and all these things. And we think this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to happen. This is plan A. But, you know, we live in the real world, don't we? And often plan A doesn't happen the way we want it to. And so many of us are living with, with plan B because that's kind of what ends up happening more closer to reality. You know, maybe your story is more like first comes love, then comes marriage. There's no baby. We're still waiting. Or maybe it's first comes love, then comes marriage, and there's baby but the baby was born with Down syndrome. It wasn't what we were expecting. Or maybe some of your stories is first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes divorce. And then devastation. And you're single again wondering, well, what do I do next? And maybe for some of you, your plan B is that you are still single. And you're kind of wondering, well, 
how long do I have to wait? Like, I, I, you know, I thought by this point I would have been married. I thought at this point I would have had kids. That's why today I want to talk about singleness. But before I jump in, I want to talk to those of us that are married for a moment. Because I know that if you're married, you're probably tempted to check out. But I really think that this message is also for you. Because every one of us knows someone or we have a family member who is single. In fact, according to the latest statistics, 45% of Americans are single. So guys, I want to help you know how you can encourage the people in your life that are single. How you can be a blessing to them. Help you stop saying the things that you are saying that you think are helpful, but are not. You know who I'm talking about. And then also find some ways that you can actually come around your single friends and family members and really support them and encourage them. Now, I know for, for many of you, you're probably thinking this. Uh, you're like, well, you know, Pastor Nathan, I'm, I'm really glad that you're going to be talking about singleness. But aren't you married? Like, like you know, you, you know you're, you're married. And, you know, for you, like the song ha- kind of happened. You know, first came love. You met Jackie. Then came marriage. Then you had your kids. And, 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 and that's kind of how it's gone for you. So why are you talking to us about marriage or singleness? And, and, I, and if that's kind of where you come from, I totally get that. Uh, my wife and I, we got married uh, when we were about 28 years old, which is actually the national average. If you're a millennial or a Gen Z, the average age that we get married now is 29 for men, 27 for women. In fact, um, that is the oldest it's ever been in the history of human civilization, which is fascinating. And so my wife and I got married right at 28. So right in that average is kind of when we got married. And so we were single for almost three decades. And in that time, I really believe that God really was teaching us some things. Uh, I was learning about waiting and trusting God and just living in some of the frustrating points of that. And so my prayer is that there are some points there that I can even share with you of the things that I've learned along the way to be an encouragement. In fact, the other day, one of our friends was over and she's single and she's kind of sharing with us just some of the tensions that she experiences Uh, being single. She's just saying, you know, Nathan, it's so interesting because at church, there's this one message I get about what singleness, what I'm supposed to do with my singleness. And then when I'm at work and I talk to my friends in the world, they have this whole other idea of what singleness is all about. And I'll be honest, I kind of struggle with both. And, And maybe, you know, when you talk to, you know, she's telling us too, that a lot of people make this assumption about singleness, like that singleness is this like one big monolithic thing. But there is a lot of variety to many of the singles in our lives today. For instance, there's those who were never married in their 20s or 30s who, you know, they've never been married. They've kind of been single. But then there's folks who are maybe single again. Uh, They're in their maybe 40s or 50s and, and, and they find themselves single. But there's also a variety of reasons. They're not just one reason why someone is single. There's all sorts of reasons. I want to share with you a couple of reasons from some of my friends. This person says, I'm single because I found myself in a very codependent relationship. And right now I need to focus on wholeness and health. So this person's basically saying, I was in a really unhealthy relationship. And so I needed some space. I needed to focus on my own healing and kind of becoming my own person. And then I have another friend who was pretty honest. He says, uh, I'm single because I'm really shy. And honestly, I suck at social interactions. I'm like very transparent. (laughs) But he's like, you know, Nathan, I kind of struggle in social situations. I'm trying to get better. But that's just my reality that I'm kind of wrestling with. And then for some people, maybe this quote resonates with you. I'm choosing to be single because actually I'm not really interested in dating. 
Well, what this person was telling me was, Nathan, I really love my life right now. I've got a great job. I've got some great friends. We are able to go on adventures together. I don't feel like I need someone to fill some void in my life. I feel like I can be a fully functional human being just as I am. And if, if that's where you're at as a single person, you know, praise God that you can get there, that you can actually celebrate and flourish as a single person. But I also know that there's some of you in this room that singleness wasn't a choice that you made. It was a choice that was maybe made for you. I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, what she was telling me was, you know, Nathan, when I first got married, my husband and I were, were so in love, and I was so excited about being married. We had these three beautiful kids, and then he cheated on me um, several times. And we couldn't, I couldn't get, keep the marriage together, and we ended up getting divorced, and now this is my plan B. I've got to help my kids process through this divorce and their own pain, but I'm also in pain. And I've got to work through this as well. And this has been really difficult. And I'm learning how to trust God in this and, and hold on to him through this difficult time. But it hasn't been easy. And so when we talk about single people, there's all sorts of reasons. There's all sorts of understandings that we need to kind of be aware of as we're interacting with our single brothers and sisters. But, you know, the other thing, too, is there are two different narratives that uh, kind of singles are supposed to fit in, both in the world and in the church. In the world, when you talk about being single, they're like, you're single? That's great. You can party all the time. You can go down to the Jersey Shore. You can live your best life now. You got to get it all out of your system because when you get married, it's going to be boring. <laughs> so, so you got to just live the good life as much as possible. And then the story that singles get from the church is, oh, you're single? You must have so much time. Have you thought about serving? Have you thought about getting involved in, in the church and serving in this way or that way? Or you get one of those, oh, you're single? Oh, I'm so sad for you. I'm praying, oh, that guy's single. Maybe the two of you can kind of come, to, maybe we can make something happen. And, and, and you almost get this feeling that, oh, singleness is like this holding pattern. Like it's this temporary state that, you know, you aren't really complete. You can't start life or your ministry until you actually meet someone. And then you can get life started. And I'm really grateful that Scripture actually challenges both of those false narratives about what singleness is meant to be. And you don't have to take my word for it. I actually want to look at the words of a single man, one of those famous singles in the Bible, and that is a guy named Paul. Paul was actually one of the early church leaders, and Paul was a guy that was doing so many things for the kingdom of God. In fact, um, Paul, you know, we don't know whether if he was widowed or if he was always single, but Paul was able to plant churches. He started businesses. He was actually able to launch the Jesus movement. He worked in local politics so that he could actually make inroads so that people could, uh, again, embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he preached thousands and thousands of sermons. And he had a very interesting perspective about how singleness, how God was using the singleness in his life. He says this in 1 Corinthians verse 6. He says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. What he's basically saying is, guys, I'm going to give you my opinion here. Okay, this isn't a command. This is my opinion. He says, I wish that all men were as I am. But each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I am. So, so what, what Paul is essentially saying this, he's, guys, listen, if you have the choice, he's talking to a group of singles, I think that you should stay unmarried. Now, he's talking to a culture that basically says very explicitly that you have no worth unless you're married. 
That's what it was in Greek culture. That's what it was in Jewish culture, ancient Jewish culture at the time. But here's Paul saying, guys, no, no. It's actually better if you are to stay single. Because what Paul is saying is that singleness isn't a curse. Singleness is a gift from God. Singleness is a gift. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, it's a gift that no one wants. (laughs) It's like, I asked for an iPad for Christmas, and I'm getting socks and underwear? What? And the thing is, the word for gift here is the word charisma. Someone say charisma. 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 There you go. Charisma is the word for spiritual gift that we see in the Bible. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the spiritual gifts to the church. And the purpose of receiving a spiritual gift is so that you can actually be a blessing and build other people up. That's the purpose of the gifts. They're not to be hoarded, but they're actually meant to go to other people to bless them. And maybe you're wondering today, how do I know if I have the gift of singleness? Here's how you know. If you're single, you have the gift of singleness. (laughs) If you're married, you have the gift of marriage. If you're single, God is calling you to steward your singleness well. And if you're married, you're called to steward your marriage, care for your marriage well. They're both gifts. One is not better than the other, but they are gifts that God has given you for the time that you have it. And so when Paul talks about this gift that's been given to you so that you can be a blessing to your coworkers and your neighbors and friends, what Paul is saying is this, guys, singleness isn't this like holding pattern. Singleness isn't this like spiritual limbo where you can't really do anything until you meet somebody. No, you have a, you have a calling on your life now as someone who is single. There are things that you have, that God has assigned for you to do, to accomplish. There is no holding back. You have gifts and passions that God says it's time for those things to be released. That charisma needs to go to as many people as possible. And I know for, for some of you, you're probably thinking, yeah, but that's really not a gift that I want, Nathan. I, I want a family. I want a, a spouse. I want kids. I'm having a hard time flourishing as a single person. And here's the thing. We can never truly flourish until we fully surrender our desires to Jesus. Whether you're married or not, that's the same thing. So when you can actually surrender your desires to Jesus, that's when you begin to flourish in your singleness. When you can say, Jesus, I'm so alone right now. I feel so lonely. I wish I had someone that I can share the deepest pains in my life with. I wish I had someone that I could look to for comfort and friendship who could be with me in this life. And I don't understand why you haven't brought that person in my life yet, God, but I choose to trust in you. I choose to surrender my desires to you, God. I still desire a husband. I still desire a wife. I still desire a family. But God, I know that you're good. And if you're good, your intentions for me must be good. And so you've given me this gift in this time and this place for a specific reason. And so I will trust you. See, it doesn't mean that you get rid of your desire for marriage or for family. It just means that you surrender it to Jesus. That way your desires don't drive you. Jesus drives you. Your desires don't rule you. Jesus rules you. Because if you let your desires rule and run your life, it will lead you to ruin. But if you let Jesus run your life, he will lead you on the path that leads to everlasting life where you can release the fullness of your potential. You can use your gifts to actually bless and to build others up. Paul continues to write about flourishing in your singleness when he says this, I would like you to be free from concern 
An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. And if you're married, you totally get this, right? You know that, you know, your, your wife or your husband and your kids, they get first uh, crack at your time. And so you've got to spend your time caring for your marriage, uh, stewarding your marriage. You've got to care for your wife, make sure that there's good communication, that you're working through conflict, that you're forgiving one another, that you're, again, staying strong in your relationship. And then, then you've got the kids, and you've got to make sure your kids grow up to be functional human beings in society, right? And so you've got to coach them and discipline them and encourage them and love on them. And then at the end of the day, all of your energy and time has been devoted there. And you can actually feel like there's almost like you feel kind of torn between doing the things that you know you want to do to further God's kingdom, but also caring for your spouse and your family. But Paul's saying, and Paul's saying, I get that. He says, his interests are divided. Paul goes on to say, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided, what's that church? Let's say it together. Devotion to the Lord. So if you have been given the gift of singleness for however long that time lasts, God is saying, you have an assignment to extend my kingdom. It doesn't mean that you're called to serve at church more. It means that you need to start tapping into the deep, deep passions of your heart. You need to start by asking the question, God, what is it that makes me come alive? God, what is, it that, what is it that breaks my heart, that breaks your heart, that I need to invest myself in the world? God, what is, what is the potential that you want to release in me? You see, for, for many of you that are single, the sky is the limit. The limitations are, are less than others, and you can actually serve God in ways that many people that are, are, that are married can't. And you can actually flourish and live the best life that God has for you today and not wait for your relational status to change. In fact, I want to talk to three friends of mine who are actually living this out on a regular basis. So will you join me in welcoming Kelly, Tawana, and Kyler. Come on up, guys. Make some noise. What's up, guys? What's up, Kelly? What's up, T? I'm Kyler. All right. Let's go. Well, guys, I am so grateful that you were able to come hang out with us today. So thanks for coming. So let's start with introductions. Kelly, why don't we start with you? Sure. Uh, hey, everybody. My name's Kelly. I'm 26. I moved to New Jersey from Pennsylvania about five years ago. All right. Yeah, I came here for work. I work for a telecommunications company. Got it. And I do customer experience strategy and management. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's really just looking at the customer journey, how they're interacting with the brand, and seeing how we can make that a better experience for them. All right, awesome, cool. Uh, my name is Tawana. Many of you know me as T. Um, I'm 44. I know I don't look it. That's called grace. Um, <laughs> I am a caregiver. I also have my own social media uh, business, and I actually am the social media coordinator right here at Good old Liquid Morris. Yep. So if you've ever seen our Morris County Instagram, that is all T. She is our Instagram wizard. Yeah, and I am Kyler. I am 53, and I am the spiritual care pastor here at our Morris County campus. That's awesome. Wait a minute. Kyler, you're married. How did you get on, on this conversation, man? How <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. So here's the thing. Um, I didn't get married until I was 44. 
So you do the math, I've only been married for eight years. That means I was single way longer than I have been married. All right, and okay. And so hopefully I got a few things to share that'll be helpful. Yeah. And, and actually, <laughs> let, me, let me mention this. So uh, my wife, Lisa, my beautiful wife, Lisa, she's a bunch of years younger than I am. And I was telling her that I was going to be on this panel talking about singleness. And I said, so, um, you know, if I was still single and you were still single and you saw me walk out on stage, would you want to date me? And she goes, yeah, carbon date you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brave question to ask, Kyler. <laughs> well, listen, guys, I want to say thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited that you guys are here to share a little bit about your own journeys. Um, and, you know, one of the things was, you know, we're talking about is that the church has all these messages about singleness. And I just want to know, what messages did you hear from the church about singleness? T, why don't you kick us off? Absolutely nothing. <clears throat> absolutely nothing, okay. <laughs> absolutely nothing that really appealed to me as a single person. Mm. Um, you know, I've been in church all my life. I grew up in church. And basically what they tell you as a single is just wait it out. Uh, just keep on praying, but don't sin while you wait. Basically nothing. Nothing, all right. Telling it like it is. I appreciate that, T. How about you, Kelly? Yeah, um, so I do desire to get married one day. And I think I often hear it will happen when you stop wanting it to happen. Um, which really just makes me feel a couple different ways. It makes me feel frustrated, if mm, I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, it makes me feel guilty for even desiring marriage. And I also, I don't like that it frames contentment uh, as a means to an end, that end being marriage, rather than finding satisfaction in my relationship with God. That's really, I really appreciate you sharing that, Kelly, because I, I want to say just on behalf of the church, I'm really sorry that we've given you that message because as Paul said there's so much more in this into singleness than just oh you're not married yet it's this temporary state but Paul actually says that singleness is a gift that you guys have been given a gift um T how do you see singleness as a gift in your own life uh being single has not only afforded me the opportunity uh, to get closer to Christ, but has also afforded me the opportunity to take care of my parents. As well, I shared me, earlier. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with your parents. As yeah. I shared earlier, I was, I'm a caregiver mm -hmm. to not one but both. Uh, my mother had a stroke and a heart attack, and she's wow. bedbound. And my dad is in his early stages of dementia. So I do not believe that if I were married right now, that I could have the capacity to take care of them wow. being married. Yeah. I really appreciate you, you sharing that, T, because... That is such a beautiful thing that you're able to do. I didn't know, just because as, as we've been friends, it takes a toll on you. And so I really appreciate you just showing us how to care for our parents, how to honor them. Um, praying my kids will also have that same inspiration as well in my older sure years. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but I, I just want to acknowledge, I thank you so much just for how God's been using you to do that. Yeah, and how about you, Kelly? Yeah, so for me, I mean, let's be honest, there is flexibility, there is more time, and really that's just allowed me to step into the purposes that I feel like God has placed on my life. So um, I went to Penn State, and I was a part of a really great Christian ministry there, mm. and they really built into me and trained me up to um, have spiritual conversations and to really just reach people, and I was highly encouraged to look at my job and look at being in the marketplace as an opportunity to care for people and point them to Jesus. Mm. Um, and I've seen the fruit of that in my workplace. I've had the chance to pray over people. I, uh, I've shared the gospel with people, and that's just been really, really cool. And one uh, instance in particular was I became friends with this girl who was straight out of college. She had grown up in the church, but 
had kind of started walking away from her faith uh, during her time in college. And I was very open about my life and what I believe. And we ended up just building a relationship and continuing to have spiritual conversations. And it was so great because most of those conversations would take place after work. We would go to the gym together. And I never felt the need to rush through those conversations uh, to get home for any particular reason. So we were able to just sit in those moments and really be vulnerable and open up to each other. And, um, and I was just able to really love on her and minister to her. And now we're really great friends. That's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that, Kelly. And as you can tell, there's so much passion that came out in what Kelly was sharing. Because one of the things is that, you know, you have that time to develop, okay, what's the passions that God has placed for you? It's not just to serve more, although I know you're an all-star servant leader here at Liquid. But, like, what is it that God's called me? I get to be a witness, my, bring my gifts, my talents to the marketplace. So thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, you know, when I talk to a lot of my single friends, one issue that always comes up is struggles with loneliness, struggles with temptation. And so I'd love for you, T, to maybe tell us a little bit of how do you navigate some of those uh, tricky areas? Well, let's be honest. Temptation is hard. Mm-hmm. Being lonely is very, very difficult. Um, I could talk about my own life. Um, I'm getting ready to tell my business. Y'all don't mind, do you? Okay. I don't mind. <laughs> Come on. So uh, it was one particular night. Um, it was the night before Valentine's Day. And I was sitting at home and just wallowing in a bunch of emotions, feeling left out, feeling lonely. I mean, I wanted a teddy bear and some chocolate, too, you know, the next day. And um, so I'm sitting there. And while I'm sitting there, I get a phone call that Uh-oh. came out of nowhere. Um, It was an ex of mine who I had, I mean, I have not talked to this man in years, but um, he's the type of man, you know, he has that voice, that radio voice that, you know, you know, ladies, you know, exactly. And um, that's what reeled me in the first time I met him. And so Ah. I'm I'm sitting there (laughs) and um, we're engaged in this conversation. And I mean, he was saying all the right stuff at the right time, hitting every one of my emotions that I was feeling. (laughs) And as the more he began to talk, the more I began to listen. And so, um, you know, that's how the enemy works. Oh, yeah, he's the devil. But now let me share how God works. Mm -hmm. So while I'm talking to him, I get another phone call. And when I pick up the phone, it's when I click over, it's another friend of mine. And she's not just an ordinary friend. Uh, She's an accountability partner. Mm -hmm. And so she's calling me about something that transpired the night before. And so while I'm talking to her, I'm like, listen, girl, Lamont is... Wait, did I just say his name? Uh Uh-oh. I think I did. But the Bible says, tell the whole truth. So let's go. Tell the truth. Come on. So so I began to share with her everything that Lamont was saying to me. Tag, I said it again. Everything that that he was saying to me. And um, she was like, so what? You know, you've been there. You've done that. Why are you going back to that? That's why you broke up with him in the first place. And I immediately had a rebuttal for that because you go home tonight. You go home at night with somebody. I'm still sitting lonely. And I mean, come on, God. I mean, look, I'm 44. Well, I wasn't 44 then, but I was 42. I just told y'all that was two years ago. So (laughs) I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, you have somebody to go home to. I don't. And it doesn't look like God is going to come through anytime soon. So I'm just going to go ahead and be the adult that I am and do some adult things. And she checked me. And see, that's what you need. You need somebody that's going to check you. You need a friend that's going to tell you the truth. Somebody that's not going to sit there and sugarcoat what you're saying, but that's going to correct you. That's right. And let you know that, girlfriend, you are better than this. And so what my friend told me was, she said, you can have a moment, but don't let that moment have you. All right? Amen. Yeah, you can have the moment, but don't let it have you. And so I'm just grateful for friends that will hold you accountable. That's awesome. Can you just drop that mic right now? I just, I, I, that was so good, right? Wow. 
Thank you so much, T. <laughs> I just want to highlight just something that T just kind of showed us there. T made a decision in that moment. She said, I'm not going to give in to short-term pleasure and lose long-term joy. See, if you said yes in that moment, I'm sure you thought about this, you know you'd have all this guilt, all this shame, all this regret. You don't have any of that now. And, you know, I want to encourage you when you're in those moments where you are like, you know, feeling, as T was saying, you're wallowing in that, God's got a way out for you. And for you, that's community. That's why community is so important. I know, Kelly, that's been important for you as well. Do you want to share a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, just to riff off of uh, T a little bit is I think it's super important to give people permission to call you out. Mm. Um, So I've definitely given uh, my good friends permission to, if they see me like settling or being tempted to settle, that they have full permission to just come to me and say, hey, I think this is wrong. I think God has better for you. And uh, so I think specifically doing that is really, really important um, and giving, yeah, permission to people that you love and that you trust and who see your life. Yeah, I think the way the Bible puts it is wounds from a friend can be trusted. Um, But with many kisses comes, you know, a knife in the back. And so I think you guys are really talking about, especially the place of community in your lives. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, We've got uh, all sorts of singles from all of our campuses that are watching right now, some folks that are watching in church online. So I've got to ask, what would you say to those singles that are out there, but they are frustrated with being single? T, what would you want them to know? I would tell you that I know exactly how you feel. I feel the exact same way. I do not want to be single. I desire marriage. But I also realize that where I'm at right now, this is where God has me at this moment. And I have to find contentment in where I am. Mm -hmm. Because I do realize it's not going to be like this always. Hello. He has somebody for me. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact. Oh, I thought I saw him in the audience. (laughs) She's scanning for Mr. Wright. Had to scan the audience (laughs) a little bit. You never know. Um, But I realize that I don't have to wallow. So single ladies, single men, you don't have to wallow in what you're feeling. God has somebody for you. Perhaps it could be that he's trying to prepare you for the next person, for the person that's coming along. Because I realize that with all that I got going on, I can't be married at this moment. That does not mean I don't want to date. Let me just go ahead and make that clear. (laughs) But (laughs) I realize that I cannot be married at the moment because of all that I have going on. And I know that God is preparing me. So just hang in there. That's good. How about you, Kelly? Oh, there it gets mixed. Thank you, T. I got to watch out for my job. Um, I, would, I would say I agree. And I also think uh, it's really easy in your 20s or your 30s or just, you know, your time of singleness to get distracted by your desire to be married, right? Um, and I know I'm guilty of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to an event and you're like, ooh, I wonder if he's single. I wonder if he loves Jesus. Like, it's really easy Yes, it's really easy to uh, start asking yourself those questions and get distracted from really uh, caring for the people around you. And my prayer lately has been, hey, God, I hope you bring this person into my life eventually. But in the meantime, don't let me be distracted or held back from my purpose and uh, building a relationship with you and caring for the people around me uh, because of that desire. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Kyler, I'm going to invite you to come in here because, yeah, thank you, Kelly. Now you can come in, Kyler. (laughs) But you've been on both sides. You've been single for 44 years and you've been married for eight. Uh, What insights have you kind of learned that you might want to share with the singles that are here? 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, loneliness obviously can be really tough for single people. Been there, done that. It can be a real challenge. It can be haunting. I remember uh, one time <clears throat> in my uh, mid-20s, and I'd, you know, been through a, a series of, of broken relationships, and it was this beautiful, warm, early summer evening in June, and the moon was rising, and I just had this, this deep desire to, to just have a girlfriend and go out for a walk in the moonlight and smooch under the stars. Where is this going, you know? Tyler? <laughs> PG. Well, so here's the thing. I suddenly had this, this revelation, this epiphany in that moment. And I thought to myself, huh, how come I have never longed for God the way I'm longing right now for a girlfriend? How come, to be completely honest, I've never longed for God as much as I've longed for a popsicle on a hot day. And I realized that something needed to change. I realized in that moment, deep in my bones, that I had to figure out how to make God my primary relationship. That if I figured that out, all other relationships in my life, both romantic and platonic, would, would fall into the right order. They'd stop being so superficial and, and mediocre. And so I remember it was just, just me, alone at that point uh, with God, and I kind of felt a little embarrassed, but I said, okay, God, um, let's date. <laughs> Teach me how to fall in love with you. And then I will trust you that when we've gone this, this journey far enough, the two of us, that you'll bring her, whoever she is, into my life, or, or not. But, but, but teach me to be content. And um, what he did was so beautiful. I mean, I, listen, I'd love to say I didn't make any more mistakes, you know, but, but in reality, sometimes it was two steps forward, one step back, but here's the thing, I was making progress in my relationship with God, and what he did, more than bring a mate into my life right away, he gave me something more important. He gave me Christian community. Mm. He gave me a group of people who could teach me, could love me, could hold me accountable, and help me to become the man that God wants me to be, whether I ever got married or not. Man, that's good. That's good, Tyler. Um, I, I want to highlight one of the things he said, because I think this applies to all of us, whether you're married or, or not. It's this idea that, do I long for Jesus the way I long for a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Um, has Jesus become that first love? I really appreciate you sharing that. I got one more question. I'm going to confess this is a selfish question. Like, I just want to know. Um, what would you say to us married people so that we can better encourage you? So if you're married and you're watching right now, I want you to lean in because this one's for you. Um, Kelly, why don't you go ahead and Yeah. Lead. Um, so we want to hang out with you. Uh, we want to be a part of your lives. We want to be welcomed in. You want to hang out with married people and their crazy kids? Really? Yes. Invite us into your chaos. Um, <laughs> I would love to, you know, make dinner with some of my married friends or um, even if you invite uh, us to sit with you at church. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm not originally from New Jersey. So the community and the friendships that I build here is, you know, is what I have. My yeah. family most days is an hour and a half, two hours away. 
Um, so that's really special when, when people invite you in. Um, and then also I would say just finding times to celebrate your single friends. Mm. Uh, we might, we maybe don't have the, the anniversaries and the Valentine's days, but there's still milestones in our lives and there's still, um, people who need to be celebrated. Can you give me an example of like what kind of milestones we can celebrate for our single friends? Yeah. Uh, so over the summer, I got a promotion, and I was telling a friend of mine about it, and without skipping a beat, she was like, great, we're going to go out to dinner, I'm going to treat awesome. you, and we're going to celebrate. And I just remember in that moment feeling so uh, seen and so loved and so cared for. And uh, yeah, that just felt really special. And honestly, like Valentine's Day is coming up, and I feel like if we could all think of a single person, whether you're married or not, hmm. think of another single person who you could send an encouraging text message to or treat yeah. to coffee or take out to dinner. Um, and I think that would really mean a lot and go a long way. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coaching us. Yeah. How about you, Kyler? Uh, all right. Can I speak to the matchmakers for a moment? Okay. We don't have any matchmakers here. Listen, Kyler. yes. I want to see a show of hands. If you like to matchmake, whether you've ever been successful or not at it, do you like to matchmake anybody here? On They're behalf too scared of, to raise their of hands. singles, because that was me at one point, we love you, we know you're well-intentioned, okay? And I remember when I was single, there were always some matchmakers hovering around. These are often people who cannot sleep at night knowing that someone somewhere out there is still single. <laughs> and here's the thing, that um, if, if they are desperate on your behalf as a single person, you know what often happens is that you, as that single person, you feel a little less than. You feel somehow incomplete. And again, you're well-meaning. But we'd ask you to remember two things. Because here, you, you may actually have Mr. Right or Miss Right in hand. You may actually be right about that. But two things. The first is this. Ask permission before an introduction. And two, remember that no matter who you have in mind for this other single person, Jesus is the only one who can complete any of us. Amen? Amen. That's great. And maybe something I would even ask uh, those of you that are married, those of us that are married, because by the way, guys, this is so good. Like, I've got all this homework I have to do this week. But when you look at your friend group, do you only hang out with married people in the same stage of life as you? Do you only hang out with, if you've got little kids, married people with little kids, or maybe it's married people who are empty nesters, do you only have those people around you? And you need those friendships, but have you thought about widening your circle to include Kelly over your house for Valentine's Day dinner, or having tea over for the Super Bowl? Um, Kyler will just come over for anything. It doesn't matter. He, he's, he's open. But like, have you opened up your circle so that you can actually invite more people? Because what you will realize um, and my wife's really good at this, like she's always has her single friends over, is there's a mutual blessing that happens. And uh, we are called to be the family of God, not the segments of God divided by whatever, but we're called the family of God. And we can actually be more intentional about being the family that God dreams us to be. Guys, thank you so much for sharing about your lives. Can we hear it for our two singles and married guy? <laughs> thank you guys so much. I want to kind of close by going back to this final verse that Paul talked about 
when he was talking to the Corinthians, where basically Paul was saying this, is that I want to, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. See, it all comes back to this idea of undivided devotion to God, whether you're married or you're single. I love how Kyler said it. Do I long for God the same way I long for a husband? The same way I long for a wife? And wherever you are, do you long for God more than you long for that next promotion at work or that next car or that next house or whatever it is? Is God that number one longing that you have? Because you will not be able to make sense of the relationships and they will not find their right place unless you do. See, if you want contentment, whether you're a single person or a married person, if you want joy in your parenting when your kids are well-behaved or when they're falling apart, if you want to know that, you know what, in my marriage, you know, I'm fulfilled, the thing that we need to come first is that you need to make Jesus your first love. Make Jesus your first love. We are spiritually designed to make Jesus the primary devotion of our lives. And when we have undivided devotion on Christ, all of those other relationships will find their place in God's time, in God's way. When you come to the place of surrender and say, God, I surrender my desires. They don't rule me. You do because you are my first love. First comes love. And the Bible tells us that love is a person. And that person is Jesus. Jesus came because he loved you, because he died for you. He wanted you to be fully alive because when you're fully alive in Christ, you can be fully alive in this world. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Spirit of God, I just want to invite you to come right now, Lord, and I sense that you're here right now. Father, I just recognize, Lord, in my own human frailty um, that one sermon on singleness is not enough. Lord, I know that there's so many nuances and there's so many other questions and struggles that people are in this room and that are watching all over New Jersey have. And so, Father, I pray that where I am incomplete, you would fill those gaps in the name of Jesus. And maybe you're here today. Maybe that question is still kind of hanging over you. Do I long for Jesus in the same way I long for a husband or a wife or a family or you fill in the blank. And so I want to invite you today, if, if you need to get rightly aligned with God right now, if you need to say, God, I want you to be my first love again, here's what I just want you to do. Just between you and God, I want you to hold up your hand as a way to say, I surrender. Go ahead all of our campuses. If you're watching online, just hold up your hand and say, I surrender, Jesus. Will you once again become my first love? I got distracted. I got busy. But I want you to be my number one priority right now. Not my desires. My desires are good. I know, I know they're from you, but God, I, I want to surrender them to you. They don't rule me, but you do. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as a church, we would become a family. That we would be able to include all people into our lives so that we truly can be the family of God. So that when the world looks at us, they say, that truly is a peop- group of people that love one another, that serve one another, that use their gifts for the sake of one another. We pray this in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. Amen.